1: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Partnerships, changing the game for digital transformation. Presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP.
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, you are in the right place. I don't know whether to say this show is X rated today because we have an interesting topic. Are you sharing naked data? Oops, that's as racy as it's going to get. Now, let me tell you, what's the buzz on the street? I have a couple of buzzes today. First one is a message from a gentleman named James Snook, who was an Ohio veterinarian, the head of the Department of Vet Medicine at Ohio State University. And his message was My message for companies that think they haven't been attacked is you're not looking hard enough. Interesting. Our buzz number two comes from a gentleman named David Mount, a professor at the University of Maryland Department of Computer Science with research in computational geometry. Sounds fascinating. And he said, understand what data you hold, how you are using it, and make sure you are practicing good data hygiene. I like that. My dentist says me it says to be good oral hygiene. I've never heard of good data hygiene, so we'll be talking about that. So what what is this all about? Getting the right information to the right people at the right time. You've heard this over and over time and again. That's what it's all about today. But we're talking about inside your company and beyond your boundaries, whatever your boundaries are. This is essential for your business success. You can't hoard the data. You can't keep it under wraps. It has to go to the right people. But how? You've got a couple ways of looking at this. We know we're in the era of cybersecurity issues and hacking and OMG. Who's watching? What are they doing with it? So if you overly restrict your data, you can... Get rid of your agility. You can basically hamstring your agility to act in the moment or as quickly as you need to to keep up with your changing marketplace, your changing supply chain. My goodness. So, oh, should we share this data? I don't know. Well, the opportunity could be gone in a second or a nanosecond. But... Then there's the other side of the coin. What if you share naked data? There's that X-rated word again. That means it doesn't have any intelligent access controls to keep it away from prying eyes and grabbing hands. That could seriously compromise your intellectual property. Hey, you worked hard for that. You created it. You think you own it? Not so sure. What about your trade secrets? You don't want those to get out the door. And what about maybe even the most important, customer privacy? If privacy ever existed, If privacy is still on the table and you're responsible for compromising it, that could be a big no-no with your customer base and everybody else. So is there a right balance between overly restricting data and naked data? That's what we're here to find out today. Wherever your company is, whatever industry you're in, whatever your company or organizational or industry maturity is, your footprint, this is an important topic for everybody in our listening area, which is global around the world. Let me tell you who my esteemed panelists are. We've got three really, really smart people today. First up, we're welcoming back Justin Someni. He heads the SAP Global Security SGS unit in the board area of products and innovation at SAP. I hear he's celebrating his one-year anniversary at SAP, and Justin was on with us almost a year ago. So he was on at his very early, early uh, joining of SAP. Joining him on the panel, Newcomer to Game Changers, it's King Lim, founder, chairman, and CEO of Next Labs, and we've had some of his colleagues from Next Labs on our shows in the past. We'll chat about them. Rounding out the panel is Anna Aquilina, global operations director of cybersecurity at Ernst and Young, and a shout out to all of our friends at EY. And we're delighted to welcome and to meet Anna. So Justin Simeone sent me an opening quote from Charles Darwin. This happens to be a real quote, not one of those ersatz. Yeah, it sounds good. We'll pin it on. Darwin. This is a real deal. Charles Robert Darwin, 1809 to 1882. He was an English naturalist, geologist, and biologist known for his contributions to the science of evolution. His most famous book published in 1859 on the origin of species. Okay. And he helped the general public accept the fact that Evolution is, we'll leave it there. Here's the quote Justin has selected. In the long history of humankind, those who learned to collaborate and improvise most effectively have prevailed. Justin Solmany, hello, how are you? It's been too long. What have you been up to?
3: Uh, I've been doing great, first and foremost. Uh, Great to be back, and thanks for having me on board uh, once again. Uh, Always a fun event. Things have been going great, like you mentioned, finishing up my first year, plus a couple of months at SAP, having a great time, a great company, and, of course, great customers and partners.
2: Good. So, Justin, I love the quote from Charles Darwin, collaborating, improvising effectively. There's a a bunch of key words in there, and he says most effectively. So we're talking now about data going out at the right time, to the right place, to the right people, with the right protections. It's it's a huge task. So what would Darwin have to say about data if he wasn't talking about people, about the evolution of data protection? What do you think he would say, Justin Someney?
3: Simply put, if you don't know what's going on and you're not going to uh, observe and adapt to your environment, you're going to die. Uh, and I think that's what we have here. You know, we have a lot of business models that are incredibly fast and in flux and change, uh, and we definitely have technology moving in, in and in, in flux and change. Uh, and those that have adapted the security model of protecting that data flowing through them. Um, are either going to get compromised or be protected against it.
2: Okay. Um, is it really that dire, Justin, I was talking about? It's, it's the key to your business success. Could everything change in, I'm going to use the word, in a heartbeat, in let's say the click of a mouse, the wrong data <laughs> getting into the wrong hands? Is it that critical, mission critical? Just give, give me a sense of the urgency here, Justin.
3: I, I feel it is, but you know, everything's in context. Uh, and I really put it to the customer first. So when we're talking about data, what is the impact of this data being compromised to the customer? And generally, it's significantly important, whether it's their employees, it's their customers. Uh, their intellectual property that they need for competitive advantage, or if we're dealing with uh, you know, certain situations with governments or militaries, uh, we could actually truly be talking about a very significant impact, if you will. Um, so, yeah, I, I think in, in a lot of cases it, it is dire to a fair degree. Of course, there's a lot of others which is just more hindrance uh, than, than actual calamity.
2: Okay, I like the word calamity. Uh, (laughs) Nobody's ever, nobody's ever accused me of being Calamity Jane, but (laughs) in some of these topics, I think we're, we may all be accused of being Calamity Jane if anybody remembers that reference to a young lady with a very fast gun in the wild, wild west. Justin, I think we're in the wild west today with hacking and cybersecurity issues. I think we're back in the wild west, but it's the newfangled one. Justin, looking forward to a lot more conversation with you during the show. And again, thank you for taking the time to join us. And now let's welcome our Second guest, Kang Lim. If you're looking for him. It's K E N G. Last name L I M. Founder, chair, and CEO of Next Labs. And Kang has sent us a quote from another well quoted personality, Albert Einstein. His famous picture of him as a blackboard with the hair going in every direction, talking about data going to the right people, at the right time, in the right place. His hair just went all over the place. And the famous equation is e equals mc squared of course the law of equivalence of energy and mass using that formula and i just like to think about his hair i think he was marvelous uh, he lived from 1879 to 1955 and, and uh, i don't think anybody on this panel today is is nearly as old as i am but when i hear 1955 i think oh that was just a few years ago so i'm i'm dating myself here einstein was a german born theoretical physicist who invented and developed the general theory of relativity, one of the two pillars of modern physics. Here is the quote Kang has selected. The world will not be destroyed, <coughs> as she coughs her way through the quote, the world will not be destroyed by those who do evil, but by those who watch them without doing anything. Kang, go ahead and talk about your quote while I grab a glass of water. Go ahead, King. Hi, Bonnie. Thanks for having <laughs> me on. Delighted. Well, if I'm on
4: TV right now, my hair will be looking exactly like Albert Einstein. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you're my hero. Go, go ahead, King. I'm looking at your picture. Come on, not even close. Not even close. You're, you're very well-groomed. So talk to me about the quote, the world will not be destroyed by those who do evil, but those who watch them without doing anything. This is dire, that word I used with Justin. So tell me about Einstein's quote, please.
4: No, so I want to bring in the hope here. So um, anyway, so the quote reminds me about our cyber war today. So we hear too much about, the cyber warfare, attack, hacking, as you mentioned earlier, and all kind of threat, uh, you know, too often. Um, however, you know, mankind is fundamentally good inside, regardless of color, shape, size, and type, right? And the good news is very good in adopting. So I remember, you know, when I started, you know, in my business, toward 20 years ago, you know, I happened to have, a, you know, be fortunate to help launch the Internet and build some of the key technology. I mean, 20 years ago, when Internet started, people can't imagine we buy anything and everything on the Internet. But mm-hmm. we do now today. Yeah. Right? So I do believe that, um, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, knowledge, technology, and conscience is the best weapon against evil. Cyber attack will be the story of the past in five to ten years if we continue to improve our knowledge about how to conduct ourselves you know including how to conduct businesses you know understanding how to best you know share information what is the right information to share who, to who, when and how as well as just you know elevate the knowledge of the workforce of society on how to conduct our life online so uh, it's, you know i think in, t- in 20 years you know we wouldn't even remember what happened today
2: Wow, I think in 10 minutes after we're off the air, we won't remember what happened today with so much going on. Kang, I, I have to do a shout-out to you and your colleagues at Next Labs. I know we've had some of them on Game Changers. Can you refresh my memory talking about not remembering in 10 minutes? I was already gone. Who, who from your, your group was already on uh, Game Changers radio? Do you remember? Because I know there have been a few. Andy
4: Hahn, I believe, is one of them.
2: Okay, well, give him a shout-out from me, please. I, I appreciate that. It's so nice to uh, to speak with you. We're very happy to have the, the founder of Next Labs on, and I know they're tweeting at the handle is N-E-X-T-L-A-B-S. The tweets are coming in so fast I can't even keep up with them. Thank you, Kang. Very, very interesting, and I'm glad about your faith in humanity. I think we all need a little more faith today, although it's, some days it's just really, really hard. Okay, and now let's bring on our third panelist, Anna Aquilina, A-Q-U-I-L-I-N-A. I'm pronouncing it the way she asked me. Global Operations Director of Cybersecurity at EY. And Anna has sent us a quote from George Orwell. This is George Orwell's first appearance on Game Changers, Anna, I want you to know, in absentia, of course. He lived from 1903 to 1950. He passed very, very young, obviously. His original name, his given name, was Eric Arthur Blair. Did anybody know that one? He was an English novelist, essayist, journalist, and critic. His work was marked by lucid prose, I like like the idea of lucid prose. We all want to be lucid in some form or another. His awareness of social injustice, there you go, cyber, cyber crime, injustice, and social, opposition to totalitarianism, and outspoken support of democratic socialism. Okay, he's best known for the allegorical novella Animal Farm and his dystopian novel 1984. The first one was published in 1945. The second was published in 1949. The New York Times, or the, I guess it was the Times that Of uh, British Times in 2008 ranked Orwell second on a list of the 50 greatest British writers since 1945. And if anybody hasn't heard of him or any of his books, he was responsible for putting words into our language that you will recognize. How about Cold War? How about Big Brother? How about the Thought Police? How about News Speak? We have different speaks today. Double Think, Thought Crime, Room 101, and Memory Hole. I'm just going to let that one sit there. Here's the quote Anna has selected from Mr. Orwell. All animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. I want to say amen. Anna, how are you? I'm very well, thank
5: you. Yeah, How are you?
2: I'm fine. Thank you for joining us. Love the quote. I know you sent me a couple of them, but this is the one I picked. So talk to me about about the animals. I think some people look at cybercrime and they say, they're all animals. They're hacking and destroying our data privacy. So tell me what Orwell would say about our topic today, Anna, please.
5: Right. Well, yeah, I actually didn't focus so much on the animal side, though it's a good theme, but more to get people to, to really think about the word data. So I'm thinking if you substitute data in for animals, Um, you know, all data are equal, but some are more equal than others. And I think it's almost a step before you decide to protect your data or share your data, but to really think critically about what we mean, what you mean by data. Um, The term is so generic now that I think it gives people a slightly false sense of security or a false impression that it is all equal. Um, However, I think if we substitute say, information for data, it becomes easier to think of it as something that has value and different levels of value. So I guess that's what I'm really trying to draw out with this quote, that, um, you know, to think about the value of that information and it will have different value within your organization and to really think critically about which information is the most valuable to you, uh, what might attackers actually think as valuable, So who else might want your information? And then what also would be most damaging to you or your organization in terms of not being able to achieve your strategy if something was accessed inappropriately? And once you have that prioritization, I think it gets a lot easier to then think through levels of protection, how widely you can share, um, and all those sorts of more um, sort of detailed efforts.
2: Thank you very much. Very very interesting. And uh, um, when I was talking in the opening about, I think I asked Justin this question: How dire is this? If you overly <laughs> protect your data on one side, you, you get paranoid. I don't think we've introduced that word yet. At least I haven't. Versus saying, "What the heck? It's going to be aver- it's going to be hacked anyway. Let's just send it." Uh, Bob needs to know what our sales forecast is, and Mary needs to know what what's happening on our supply chain for uh, for robots. For the next generation, because that's our business. Where is that balance? Do you see? Do you see a happy balance, or do you think it's a lose-lose, no matter what you do? Anna, just wondering about your overall POV.
5: Yeah, look, I certainly don't think it's a lose-lose. Uh, well, at the same time, I think you always need to be prepared for something going wrong. I think that's just sensible. However, if you do think, you know, put in this thinking exercise around the information you hold and prioritize it appropriately. I think it makes it easier for you to then figure out how, what the damage might be when something goes wrong and then respond appropriately. And it is a very difficult balance between what you need to share and what you need to protect. Um, and I think you can only get that sort of risk appetite or that appropriate balance if you really have thought about the value of sharing as opposed to the value of information being inappropriately used and, and how that might damage you.
2: It is, it is a very tricky balance. Very tricky balance. Thank you. sounds like there are a lot of things to weigh in. It thoun- sounds like it's not for the weak of stomach, the weak of heart, or anybody who expects to get a normal night's sleep any night of the week if you're working in, a, in an area where you are responsible for making those data decisions. Let's go around the table now with our little up-close-and-personal segment called What's in Your Cup today. First, I'd like to ask Justin Someney, where are you today? And Justin, in the interest of, of security, I'm not asking for the Google coordinates of the roof of your house or your <laughs> office. Just vaguely, what part of the world are you in, Mr. Someney? And what are you drinking right now? If it's not interesting and it doesn't make you happy, tell me what you wish you were drinking, anything or everything. Justin, go ahead.
3: Well, let's see. I'm in Palo Alto, California, back in the office after a very long, busy week uh, traveling through the Middle East last week. So ah. I am still getting over jet lag, so I'm having a lot of coffee. What I would rather have is a very nice scotch. Uh, unfortunately, I decided that this was the month to do my no-alcohol 30 days, and so <laughs> coffee it shall be.
2: what's your favorite coffee justin what are you drinking
3: straight black dark coffee it's uh, a particular
2: brand you have a brand you love
3: uh i go to starbucks but honestly uh if it's caffeinated i'll drink it
2: (laughs) my man thank you very much king Lim. where are you in general at next labs right now or wherever you're traveling and what do you love to drink king
4: I'm actually close to Justin, so I'm in California, so the you know the, the the beautiful Bay Area, California. My yeah, head is you... on fire, but my favorite yeah. color is black <laughs> and green, Bonnie. <laughs> Go ahead, tell me what that black means. Black and green. So, so black means I just had my second cup of black coffee on my favorite vintage Nescafe cup, and it's a big one. <laughs> and then. You know, after this, I will have, you know, hopefully I survived this, uh, this, this, you know, this, uh, this call here. I'm going to have my, what my mom called the, the green monster. Which is, is essentially is <laughs> yes. a bitter melon juice that you don't ever want to taste, but it's good for you.
2: Ah and is what kind of melon is that king that that's uh it's bitter. yes it's bitter It's bitter. Okay, very interesting. Bitter melon. Bitter melon, I have to look that up. We have have yeah, had some panelists up. We've had some pa- I will, we've had some panelists who make some green drinks in the mi- in the uh in the morning. Bitter melon. I'm looking it up right now as fast as I can. Let's see what is bitter melon at LifeScript.com. The uses, the side effects, the interactions on WebMD. As soon as I see side effects and interactions, I I run for the other direction, gang. <laughs> <laughs> bitter bitter melon my goodness it has something to do with uh, fighting diabetes it affects your blood glucose level it's on drugs.com there's a very strange name to it on wikipedia wikipedia momortica charantia i'm just gonna leave that one alone we'll have to do our we'll have to do a special health show on that And, and kang it's delightful to have you and i love your sense of humor and trust me justin will agree with me you will survive the next 45 minutes or so with us kang we will be very gentle i promise and you're doing great love love the sense of humor and the energy and Anna Aquilina where are you calling from or where are we calling you today Anna yes. and what what's in your cup or what would make you happier than what's in your cup right now
5: so I'm currently totally in London so I'm based in London um, and actually not traveling this week so I have the luxury of being here all week and it's now about four thirty, or approaching four thirty in the afternoon and right now I have water so I can pretend to be healthy but I am very much <laughs> looking forward this evening to my gin and tonic. I am a bit of a gin addict, I'm afraid, and I'm not having an alcohol free month, or I haven't planned one yet. But I do like to pretend that gin and tonic is, is very healthy because the quinine in the tonic water to keeps malaria at bay, gin is medicinal, <laughs> and uh, lime keeps scurvy at bay. So it's oh. a
2: you have, I, I love that. It's just how do you present the facts, the data, the statistics? You've just worked that <laughs> one, Anna. I think that's the best thing I've ever heard about a gin and tonic. Do you have a favorite brand of gin? You're allowed to mention brands if you want. What's your favorite gin? Well, actually, I, I do
5: like one, a very standard one, which is called Plymouth Gin. But what's exciting right now in the gin market is that all sorts of very small distilleries are now starting up in, certainly in London, in, in Cities in Australia and, you know, I know New York and and other cities in the U.S. And so there's lots of um, very tiny um, production of gins that I'm exploring. So every every couple of months I try and buy a new one and, and test it out.
2: Well, that's very brave of you. I, th- I think you're, you're a wonderful market tester, even if uh, even if the brands don't know that. We we need to get an official word out that Anna Aquilina will be your gin tester if you're looking for that's somebody right. who has a discerning taste and with always health in mind. I like that a lot. Uh, Justin may not remember this, and certainly King and Anna don't me well don't know me well enough yet. But they don't let me have caffeine on radio show days. So and today's a double header. <laughs> I had a show an hour and a half ago, and a, a conference call right after this. So I have cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug with a pink straw because I'm hoping the sun will come out, the sun will come out, hopefully today again. I'm here in New York. We survived uh, Snowmageddon, they were calling it. Not really. 4.3 inches of snow right here on Long Island. But if you look at the piles of snow that the plows, I know you people in California are just laughing at me, the plows pushed the snow against the curb. And my goodness, there were mountains of snow. And I'm wondering where in the heck it all came from because it really wasn't that much, but it looks like a lot. So when we get up to 45 to 50 degrees here in New York, it's heaven because the snow is starting to melt again, and my goodness, it's the middle of March, enough already. Oh, first day of spring was yesterday. Welcome to spring. So, uh, but Justin, I have to tell you, just between you and me, don't tell anybody else, please. Anna and Kang, don't listen. I did sneak a, a full caffeinated latte about an hour ago because I thought I deserved it. So, you know, <laughs> I did, officially, don't tell SAP. They wouldn't be happy with me. So we're talking about a very serious topic here. Uh, I have to do a shout out to the people who put this panel together in this wonderful topic. The series of uh, Partnerships Changing the Game for Digital Transformation, presented by SAP, is sponsored by Pamela Dunn and Royzen Monahan at SAP. But we recently gotten to know Alicia Rudolph at SAP who is taking over the, the ownership of the editorial calendar, if you will, from Pam Dunn, who is on a fellowship. And today's episode is also very much supported by Cindy Morrell. And I know Alicia and Cindy are listening, and we're very happy to have you on board, and I can see you smiling somewhere out there in cyberspace. So we're talking about, are you sharing naked data? Oops how much of your data your information as anna said how much how much is important to be shared and how should it be shared loosely Bah, toss it out into the wind whoever gets it is fine or should you put so many reins on it so much protection so many shackles that maybe it's not getting to the right people in time and you're hampering your business's agility important what's the right balance is there a right balance we're speaking today with Justin Somani at SAP celebrating his year plus a couple months anniversary king Lim at C at Next Labs, CEO of Next Labs, and Anna Aquilina at EY, Ernst & Young. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break, so don't go away. It's about 90 seconds till we start the roundtable. Kicking it off with Justin Somaney. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I promise we'll be back. Kevin out.
1: The digital world is moving faster than ever and the future will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. The definition of future success is being shaped by many factors such as more digitally demanding employees, customers and partners, an increasing variety of digital devices, resource scarcity coupled with data abundance, and demand for innovation to help the world run better and improve people's lives. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how moving to the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Partnerships, changing the game for digital transformation is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com.
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN.
1: You're listening to Partnerships, changing the game for digital transformation, presented by SAP email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at twitter hashtag sap now let's get back to partnerships changing the game for digital transformation
2: Indeed we are. We're back and we're talking about Naked Data. How well-dressed does your data need to be to be debuting itself to the world or to be shared, whether behind closed doors? Is there any such thing as data privacy anymore? Your data is your information. How important is it to you and to the people you think need it, and what if it falls into the wrong hands? That's really what we're talking about. Justin Somani at SAP is going to start our roundtable with me, and Justin sent me so many great topics. I'm just going to throw a couple of quotables here, and then we'll talk about what he wants to start with. One thing he says, digital transformation is also security transformation. Everybody just cogitate on that one for a moment. It's not just about external breaches. It's about internal data protection. But here's where Justin wants to start the discussion. The role of data encryption in data security is changing. So, Justin, talk to me about data encryption, data security, and what is changing. Go ahead, please.
3: Yeah, and I I think, thank you for that, and I I think we talked, uh, you know, started off by saying uh, naked data being important, and not unlike me, nobody wants their data streaking across the internet. See what I did there?
2: Mm -hmm, Got it, got it. That was beautiful. So many images are popping up of football games with streakers. I don't know if anybody, I think Kang Kang and Anna may be too young to remember the era of streakers. I don't know if they are, Justin, but I think you and I remember it. So go ahead. (laughs) ahead. (laughs) Um,
3: Yeah, and and what we have, you know, within our companies, we we feel a little bit safe and secure around unencrypted data being passed back and forth. But I'm going to let you in on a secret here. Um, there's these things called customers in most of our lives. And so when we send data to them or regulators or anybody else, uh, you know, encryption becomes incredibly important to ensure that that data is uh, defending against prying eyes. Now, of course, we should do it internally and externally. Um, but this is where DRM or digital rights management has come into play historically, which Unfortunately, has historically failed uh, in really providing easy, accessible encryption mechanisms around that data as it's moving from point A to point B, or or even as it resides on customers or other parties' uh, workstations and servers. And so, I, I think that in the new introduction of cloud and services, we're seeing a a revisitation of this overall DRM uh, model where the encryption keys and the internet and the interconnectivity of devices and mobile devices and apps is really bringing a resurgence of the concept by really targeting and trying to solve some of the historical problems around DRM uh, and ultimately giving us that encryption of data as it moves within our environment or even outside of that. And so I'm really excited about the possibility, but Uh, you know, with partners and driving it, we're, we're seeing how do we drive security to the root of some of the problems and naked data, no doubt, is one of them.
2: Thank you, thank you, Justin. I'm going to move on to King and Anna in a moment. But just uh, going back to my opening quote from James Snook, whichever James Snook it may or may not be, I don't think it's the veterinarian I thought I was quoting. It doesn't seem possible. He said, "My message for companies that think they haven't been attacked is you're not looking hard enough." How prevalent are these cyber attacks? Is it as we're speaking right now on the air, Justin? Are gazillions of companies and, and data being transferred in, in any way, shape, or form? Naked or well dressed, or overly dressed, like wearing a snowsuit in the middle of a ninety degree summer heat wave, is is that being attacked right now? Is there any any possibility for protection anymore?
3: There is absolutely a possibility for protection, uh, and like Anna was talking about earlier, it, it definitely takes a a balanced approach for usability and security. Um, but you know, going to to the quote or to the statement, you know, directly or indirectly. The vast majority of companies around, or individuals around the around the globe, have been compromised, unfortunately, um, and potentially compromised uh, repeatedly, um, over and over again, as the you know malware and the attacks really uh, come about. Um, but we, there's a lot of things we can do to protect against them. Um, unfortunately, most people are either unaware. Uh, not necessarily paying attention or not necessarily ed- educated enough in what to do to protect against them.
2: Thank you very much. We'll talk about that education aspect in a moment somewhere in our discussion. Kang Lim at Next Labs, what do you think about what Justin put on the table for us?
4: I like it. So, um, I, you know, I call it, you know, walking, uh, naked data walking around is not pretty, which I agree. <laughs> so, the key is how do you keep it safe, right? That's the key. So, so I I think that you know the the you know it's absolutely possible to keep the data safe you know I think there's I think more people need to think about how to share but keep it safe as compared to how to lock it down as a way to secure them and having said that I think Anna's comment earlier about if you if you look at data like any valuable object in your life right? You know, so you, know, you would know how to handle it with care and how to handle it safely. And clearly, you know, you don't want to have to do that to all the data because, you know, I always believe that there's a 20, 80, 20 rules where 20% of the data is important to you and the other mm-hmm. 80% will be less important. So first is how do you start off with knowing what is that 20% uh, of the data that is critical to you, either as a person or as a business? And then think about how to safeguard those data. And clearly, encryption is a viable technology. You know, I think most people know that. Encryption is already you know, used transparently over the Internet to secure all transactions. So I think that technology is totally viable. However, the key will be how do you, you know, take encryption technology and make it intelligent, and make it more usable, and more importantly, make it transparent uh, to the user, and yet at the same time allow the you know the data to be shared and used everywhere. And I think this way, the you know the the so-called EDRM technology, you know, come in. And the good news is with the next generation of the EDM technologies, a lot of that problem and a lot of that opportunity I just talked about, being able to safeguard the data and be shared everywhere and yet allow businesses to be able to pick and choose, or even better, to be able to automatically, you know, at users or apply, you know, digital rights technology to be able to safeguard data you know anywhere and everywhere.
2: Thank you very much, King. I'm, I'm I'm really appreciating the level of energy in all three of our panelists. This is a very important topic. And before we end, uh, Anna, I'm going to get to you in a second. I want to make sure we talk about whose job is it anyway? I like to ask that question. Whose job is it to do all this protecting and this balancing and this how well-dressed or naked? We don't want to see that streaking across the field anywhere. How naked is your data and and how well-dressed does it need to be and for what occasion? So Anna Aquilina, love to have your thoughts on this topic we're discussing on the table. Talk to me.
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with uh, the comments from both Justin and, and Kang. Um, and I think, I guess, a slight disagreement. I don't think it's ever mm-hmm. um, good to think that your data is safe, the information is safe, but it's definitely possible to make it safer. And and that's, I think, again, where the prioritization comes in and you put the most protection or the most care around the most valuable Information, but I don't think it's ever good to be complacent and think just because you have some of this protection in place that the information will never be accessed inappropriately. It could happen accidentally; it's not always malicious. But um, again, my motto—I guess from a national security background—I I just can't help but think you know always assume that that the worst could happen and be prepared to respond for it. But unless you understand what that worst could be, you're not able to apply. the the appropriate level of protection and sharing is absolutely essential so again what's the value of of sharing versus the need to to protect and keep
2: certain information um, more closed off than others Thank you very much Anna Justin you started this great conversation I'm going to let you wrap it up any comments you have uh, agree or disagree with what Anna just shared and what King said Justin?
3: No, I absolutely agree. I I do want to you know touch on one point that solving this problem, and we talked about partnerships or hitting on that uh, earlier. That as the data moves from our workstations or interacts in email or comes from applications, and as we exchange it. Um, honestly, there's, there's no one interaction between the individual, the application in which is processing the data, the security solutions that you wrap the data. It's really about partnerships to provide a holistic approach. Um, and so that partnership is can be overlooked, but it's incredibly important to get the ultimate goal.
2: Thank you very much. And now I'm going to move on to some topics. Yeah, we've got time left, plenty of time here. Uh, let's talk about the cloud, Mr. Lim, at Next Labs. The cloud phenomenon – oh, by the way, the sun came out. It must be your sunshiny dispositions, the three of you. Thank you for that. The cloud phenomenon has impacted the way companies protect their data. You can no longer lock it down to prevent unauthorized access. Let's talk about cloud. I don't, I don't think that word has popped up yet. Uh, King, what, what do you want to tell us about cloud phenomenon?
4: Well, I think I think cloud just uh, you know essentially bring a whole new dimension to the cyber war. Right? To some extent, cloud is making the cyber war even more real. So I often tell people, you look up to the sky, you should see heaven, and there's heaven has a, above the cloud is a, is the heaven. So that means
2: it should be good in the cloud. Okay. <laughs> unfortunately, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I was just uh, appreciating your your visual, your metaphor. Go ahead, I like it.
4: Yeah, but unfortunately, you know, today when you put, you know, too often I think you know too much data go onto the cloud, uh, either without any thought, you know, on uh, on how to keep it safe or how to safeguard them, uh, and the challenge, like we mentioned earlier. You know, data live on, uh, you know, and when you put data onto the cloud, when you start to uh, transact in the cloud, uh, the data live on and it could be subject to, you know, like what Justin said, uh, multiple attacks or multiple compromises. And then at the same time, you know, cloud is a great way to free up, you know, um, data to allow those data, you know, to be used and shared. Uh, at the same time, you know, be available everywhere. So I think the you know, so that to some extent bring new opportunity as well as new dimension on uh, challenges. And that got kinda of go back to what I mentioned earlier. How do you keep it safe and how do you I would continue to stress the importance of automating. I think company has spent what, over twenty five years automating business processes you know, uh, we now have, you know, some very powerful, you know, some very big industry and very powerful application called ERP, for example, that essentially runs almost 90% of all businesses across the world. So now I think the challenge is how do you, as we use cloud as, you know, cloud to some extent is not a new phenomenon. It, mm-hmm. It's just a new medium for us To become, to be able to share data and for us to be able now what I call compute and and be connected and share information. You know, but fundamentally, you know, the use of cloud will be integrated, will need to be factored in as part of that business process, how company conduct businesses. So, you know, so my suggestion to the cloud, you know, the best way to, you know, to look at cloud is to embrace it, use it, But think about the basic, you know, uh, what I call, you know, operating principle, just like the way you run every aspect of a business, you know, is to apply a sound operating principle on how cloud can be used and think about automating as much of that as possible, especially coming to sharing data and protecting data and keeping data safe on the cloud.
2: Thank you very much. I, I want to just pop one more comment in here from your notes before we move on to getting Anna Aquilina at EY to comment. You say sharing data is the oxygen to the digital economy. I'm tweeting that, Kang, because that should be crocheted on a pillow somewhere. I like that a lot. <laughs> I'll crochet right after the show. Anna Aquilina, love to have your thoughts on everything that Kang just shared. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, it, I agree. Mean, I, you know, the, the cloud is the... Uh, often portrayed,
5: I think, as something very new and shiny and exciting, and it is, and there are definitely benefits to using the cloud and putting your information and your data in the cloud. But again, it's, uh, there, are, there are drawbacks to it as well. And so as with everything you do, do it with knowledge and with care and be deliberate about why you're using the cloud. Um, and of course, there are different types of clouds. There are private, there are public, there's there's different levels of control that you can have directly over the information you put in the cloud or if you're passing that on to a third party. And so, again, I think as long as what you're signing up to when you use a cloud, um, you're aware of those pros and cons and how much control you want to be able to have over the data you're putting in the cloud, then then, then it's fine, you know, do what you, you need to do. But other other things to think about, I think, are then if you're handing it, the information over and it's being stored elsewhere... Also remember that when you need to delete that information, um, mm. that that can be more difficult with the cloud. And, and often we forget that information you think has been deleted can still be shared um, or accessed. And also in things like incident response, other aspects to think about the cloud is how you're going to access you know, in an emergency
2: and what sort of forensics capability are you able to apply to the data you've put in the cloud. Very interesting. While you're talking, and I'm thinking of all of the NCIS shows. I don't know if you have the uh, the procedural <laughs> yeah. crime dramas, and and you know, well, when was Bob last seen? Well, we we know he went through an easy pass toll bridge on on the Connecticut Turnpike, and we know that somebody's using his credit card. He checked into a motel That's six or right. motel seven, and we know that he bought a couple of tacos down on the on the freeway there, and and we know that he just bought a gun, and 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 that well, wait a minute, but we recovered his cell phone in a ditch somewhere. (laughs) Okay, okay, Barbara, go into your lab and look into the memory. Oh, he deleted everything. Barbara, work your magic. Yes, I have the last 5,222 emails and phone calls. He said, let's see where the most frequent numbers popped up. This is So wouldn't you think (laughs) that companies would watch TV once in a while, what do they say, (laughs) art imitates life? I think life imitates art, and say, yeah, you know, we deleted it, but there's always going to be a Barbara in a background room somewhere who's going to go and find everything we said in the past five years. Justin Samedi, I'm going to go around the table to you and get your reaction to what Kang said, what Anna said, and maybe you want to address the, the procedural phenomenon of we know this is happening. What do you think, Justin?
3: Yeah, no, I, I think going to a couple of the points, we really need to make sure that our data is, is secure but we should never assume that it is. So always having that Uh, I wouldn't, I I really hate the word paranoid, but definitely that concept of uh, diligence to ensure that we're doing everything that we can to to do that and to do it in a a proper format that that really drives, um, uh, again, I go back to a holistic approach. Um, But the process that that we do that in really needs to incorporate the entire life cycle of how data is being managed inside the company with our customers um, to really ensure that there's no edge cases of failure, so to speak.
2: Mm, very, very interesting. I like where you talk about the life cycle of data, Kang. I'm going to bring around the table to you and ask you if there's anything you want to comment on that your colleagues on the panel just said about your topic. Sure.
4: Yeah. So, so, so first of all, I, you know, I, I, you know, I want to, I want to be a little bit controversial here. I do want to point out that, you know, I think we talk about cloud, we talk about, you know, keeping data safe, and we talk about naked data walking around. Unfortunately, I think too much data are walking around naked on the cloud. That's a problem, right? So, um, you know, I think the the company for some reason, uh, many of them are thinking that either technology is not available or solutions are is not available and and this is where I go back to, you know, what Justin was saying earlier on the topic about what is the role of encryption and and there is this new technology You know, to some extent not new technology, but now the next generation, you know, the second generation technology called EDRM. The good news is, you know, if, you know, if companies are starting to look at EDRM and figure out how to use them to keep data safe, and they realize that it's a very powerful and effective way to be able to, you know, manage and, 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 and safeguard data while being shared, while sharing them across a life cycle. And uh, and the the beauty of the data is it evolves like what Justin said. You know, there is a life cycle to the data. As you share the data, you know, you, you know, the data transform or data could, you know, evolve and data live on from person to person or from time to time. And the requirement can also change from time to time, right? So uh, you may you know you may have a need to share today and you cannot share them anymore, uh, you, know, you know, three months from now, or vice versa, you know, how do you provide some sort of intelligent mechanism to be able to say, well, I'm going to share with you now, but when the requirement change, a simple example mm-hmm. could be, I'm doing business with a supplier, right? You know, you talked about supply chain earlier, you know, and, and three months from now, the supplier is fired. So should the supplier still be able to, you know, use the data you shared with them three months ago? The answer is absolutely not. You know, would you you want to be able to push a button and say, you know what, the data that you have that I shared with you three months ago is no longer available to you. So it just somehow magically, you know, expire. you know. Uh, A lot of that phenomenon that I just talked about and the example I just talked about, it's totally possible and and can be solved and addressed today, you know, even with the data on the cloud.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank you very much I uh, one point I want to bring up can you're re- reminding me that when an employee leaves an organization and you take away their their key card you take away their email address you take away their security clearance whatever it is uh, you don't know what they did or didn't bring home transfer to their personal email company secrets uh, that that seems to me it would be a, a huge opportunity for for data to fall through the cracks we are almost at the point where we need to do our crystal ball predictions but Anna Aquilina, I have something here in your notes. I'd like you to take one minute to explain to us, please. You say, obviously, you've you've said this many times, all data is not equal, yet organizations often treat it as it were. Try to understand what you mean when you talk about data, information, statistics, facts. Anna, can you just divide and conquer this for me really fast, and then we'll go back to Justin for predictions. Anna, information, statistics, facts, differences.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think it's partly the the meaning of the term data, which used to just you know data point and and more more used to refer to a statistic or a fact. Now I think we do use it to refer to information, And I just come back to where I started that you know information has different value. So really, don't don't just always use the word data. Think about what you're referring to in your organisation or indeed in your personal life. Um, when you when
2: you use that term and then treat it accordingly with with due respect Thank you very much. We want a little respect for data before we dress it up and send it out across that big football field, across the cloud, and across across the life cycle. Okay, let's go back. Thank you, Anna. Justin Somani, I've got 60 seconds for you. We got to keep it tight. What do you see in the crystal ball for this topic, Justin? And or may I, I poke you a little bit or or push you a little bit and say, if we were going to have a whole series, maybe starting this summer, Justin Somani and your colleagues <laughs> on cybersecurity. What let's say by July. What would you <laughs> I'm pushing you. I'm sorry. I'm doing a little selling here, Justin. You've got to forgive me, but my heart's in the right place. Always, you know that. Uh, what, what will change about this topic at any point in the future? Go ahead, Justin. So many naked data. You know,
3: I, I think in the short term, we're going to have a lot more data compromises, just really underscoring the problem. But I think in the long term, we're going to see more adoption of solutions such as EDRM uh, to really ensure that our data is not standing naked on the corner uh, getting cold as the wind blows.
2: Oh, these uh, these metaphors are getting me all excited here. No, actually, a little scared. King Lim, you started this about running across the field. I think how are we? How are we dressed? You know what? We need to do a show, Justin, on uh, the best dressed data streaking across <laughs> or or making fashion news. I don't know. I think there's got to be a glorious title for a radio show in there somewhere. We'll talk, I love Justin. It. Uh, thank you then you got to do a series with me come on this is too important kang lim next labs you're up 60 seconds what do you predict will change about this topic streaking or not go ahead kang
4: yeah i will go i'll stay on my favorite topic here i'll say you know information security become information safety i think the mindset will change and then the way the industry will look at security will be very differently but more from the safety lens as compared to you know lock it down and keep it secure, that's number one. And I would say that information safety also will become part of consumer safety obligation.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And all services you know will now be obliged to actually you know protect data or keep data safe as part of the consumer safety obligations. I also predict that you know um, all data use and how data is consumed. And of course, if, if you choose to put automation on it, if you to choose to automate and put a proper safeguard on it, you will be able to trace and you will be able to see how and who are the people that, you know, that is using it and doing it with your data, right? And ultimately, I think we're moving toward what I call a real-time knowledge, connected intelligence, and the safe data world,
2: Thank you very much. Very, very important and very, uh, very profound. Thank you, Mr. Lim. Anna Aquilina, I saved exactly. Well, no, actually, we've got about 90 seconds for you. So Mm -hmm. go ahead. Take your your time, all the time you want. Anna Aquilina, EY, what do you predict? Well, my crystal ball, I think, you know, I agree with Justin. Things are probably going to get quite a lot
5: worse before we're able to simplify and and get better at, at all of this. But particularly with the Internet of Things, and the industrial Internet of Things coming online, more and more things being connected. They've just got so much consumer data as well as organization business data out there. Um, And while the ability and technologies to protect that are improving, so is the ability to collect it and collate it and analyze it. And that goes for those with positive intent as well as it does for those with more malicious intent. So while it may become harder for incidental or random attacks to be successful around sort of the the data we're trying to protect, I think the targeted attacks will will still be successful. So, you know, uh, nothing's going to change around having to be careful to prioritize and protect.
2: Thank you. Prioritize and protect. I like that very much. I have to say thank you to the three of you. I think it's been an extraordinarily interesting and upbeat conversation about a topic that could be a, down, a downturn or a, a mouth curler down. Uh, it could be depressing. It could be dire. Justin, that's that word I keep using. Justin Somania at SAP. I'm so pleased you were able to join us and we will talk. Kang Lim at Next Labs. It's such a pleasure to get to meet you and I hope you'll come back. And Anna Aquilina at EY. Such wonderful words of wisdom. The three of you are so Smart. I am I'm really, really appreciative for you taking the time. And again, a shout out to all the people who helped put this together. Cindy Morell, nice to connect with you. Say hi to Mike. Alicia Rudolph, applause. Bravo. This is your first uh, partnership series show putting together with me, and you did an outstanding job. And a shout out to Pam Dunn and her fellowship and Roy and Monahan at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and if we're talking about data being naked or not, or streaking or not, or however well dressed your data is, I think my I think my call to action at the end takes on special meaning today and I think Kang will understand this. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you and your data waiting for? Go out but be properly dressed and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. I'll talk to you tomorrow 11 a.m. Eastern on the Business Channel with our next edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers live. You don't want to miss it. Have a great day. Bye bye. Thanks again for
1: tuning in to Partnerships, Changing the Game for Digital Transformation, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.